Hello, and welcome to the Bitcoin Butlers podcast. I am Mike Watkins, and with me, as always, is my good friend and business partner, Matt Burke. Hello. And each episode, we try and bring you an intellectually honest discussion about news and other events affecting Bitcoin. If you like our content, please like, subscribe, and share. And so, Matt, uh, for tonight's episode, we are going to play a video of Max Kaiser's interview with Daniela Cambone from exactly three months ago today on, uh, actually not three months ago today exactly, it was December 9, two, December 9, 2022. Mm-hmm. So we are almost four months away, right? Yep. And I think that this video of what Max Kaiser says slightly less than four months ago uh, is really interesting to look back on and analyze now. And I'm really curious to hear what your take is on it. Yeah, no, I think uh, we'll play this clip. And I think there's a lot to discuss uh, when you look at where we are compared to where we were when he said it. And um, let's just show the clip and we'll, uh, we'll talk about it after. Mm-hmm. All right, here we go. anything else from them i want to talk about uh the outlook you know this is always part of our outlook series max you're kicking it off for us here and the damage and i know that they should be held in two different lanes but you know you can't argue the fact that bitcoin has been thrown into the ftx disaster people are lumping it in all into one conversation let's talk about the damage done to bitcoin no damage No damage. No, the network has never been healthier. The network has never been stronger. Bitcoin, first and foremost, is a network. Network stability over price stability. And it was, Bitcoin was something that was discovered in 2008. It was dropped onto the web in 2009. It has extremely interesting properties. One of those properties is that when prices are down, it attracts a lot of critics and it attracts a lot, a, a lot of attacks, which then fuel the conviction of the people who are actually investing in the network. Investments in the Bitcoin network have never been higher. That means the security has never been higher and price will take care of itself. So like Tim, um, uh, you know, uh, the VC, Draper. Um, Tim Draper reiterated his $250,000 call for Bitcoin. Yeah. Yeah. In, 20, in 2023, I concur with that entirely. Don't, don't worry, the price will take care of itself. What we want to make sure is that the network is stable. And this Sam Bankman Freed uh, scandal uh, never touched the network. The network is still TikTok next block. There's, there's no problem. And the amount of money being poured into the network, that is into the hash rate, into the mining, into the security, has never been higher. It's running at 240 quintillion hashes per second or calculations per second, which is an all-time high, close to an all-time high. And, and, and I think that, um, you know, Bitcoin is a wily beast. And sometimes you, I think it just likes to drop in value to, to pull out the scammers, to pull out the Mashinskys and the Kevin O'Leary's 
and the Mike Novogratz, you know, the scammers out there, they get exposed and then they get wiped out and then they won't have any okay. money to buy Bitcoin. So don't worry about Bitcoin, uh, you know, worry about well, I'll yourself. Tell you, I'll, I'll tell you, you why know, I worry. You know, I'll, Bitcoin I'll tell you will still be here what my point uh, when was, all these guys are gone. What my point was, and I want to get back to Japer. There's a lot of things I need to talk to you about. Um, but when I say people are worried, right, investors, right, who are looking at the crypto space as a whole and calling me and saying, you know, I don't know what's going to happen to Bitcoin now. There's a huge question mark surrounding the fate of, of Bitcoin. Why should I believe that Bitcoin is still going to be around? Why is this technology going to beat everything else? Why can't something come out better than Bitcoin? And I have to say, the, the experts I've had on recently, I don't feel there's been anyone who's been able to properly answer that question yet. So can you answer it today? Right. Well, I don't know anyone who's worried about it. Uh, the Bitcoin maximalists have been telling you that all these other coins are scams for years. So if you lost money with the scammers, shame on you because you got greedy. Um, so nothing I can do about that. No. Um, the, people the, lost the, the money technology with Bitcoin. It's, it's down 60% this year. It's been down before, but the network keeps rolling over and keeps ticking. And investment into the network is at an all-time high, Daniela. You're not listening. Investment in the network is at an all-time high. Okay. But don't look at the price. The price will take care of itself. Anyone I, who's held Bitcoin for four years and you, has, people, is in the, at the black. End of the day, at the end of the day, people want to see numbers. And they're saying, when will this be reflected in the price? Because they're just looking at these forecasts <laughs> that, now saying, like you saying know, these, to, these ambassadors like, have come out. These ambassadors <laughs> have come out with these huge forecasts and they just keep moving the goalposts, just like Draper. He's been calling for whatever, 220,000, 250,000. Now he's moving the goalposts a few months down the line. Look at the network. I, 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 sorry, I have to keep repeating myself, but the, the investment in the, in the network has never been stronger and price takes care of itself. It's like berating... Amazing. Really interesting, I think, to look back on that. But Matt, I'm more curious about your thoughts on that. Um, well, there's so much in there. Um, I guess let's start with the first part, which was really talking about the network and the security of the network and the money that's being invested into mining, which mm -hmm. translates into the security of the network. Um, he was, you know, talking so optimistically about that and the network was at a hash rate of 240 exahash mm -hmm. at that time. Mm -hmm. And as of today, it's at over 360. It hit for a moment. It went over 400, but it's been at like, you know, 360. I saw it as high as 370 today. Mm -hmm. It's up 50% since right. he had this, you know, when he went on this rant about how important it was and how amazing it was that it was at mm -hmm. 240. And now it's, you know, 50% more than that. So it's, it's just a testament to the fact that there's really nothing stopping it at, at, at this point. And when you look at what's happened in just that short period of time, it's, it's pretty amazing. So one of the questions that I have, we were talking about this before we got started was this <clears throat> to kind of rephrase what he said is that, uh, the price, and I'm paraphrasing what he said, or I'm, I'm restating it, that the price to him is a lagging indicator. Right. Uh, in the video, he says, 
Right. He says it'll take care of itself. It'll take care of itself. Right. He's right. tweeted that price is a lagging indicator. Yeah. But it's a similar concept. It's just yeah. like, you know, price will just come along when it's time to come along, um, mm -hmm. which is a lagging indicator. So the idea that he kept saying, he, he said, I, I hate to keep repeating myself, but investment in the network is at an all time high. Right. And she's asking him, well, yeah, but what about the price? What about the price? What about the price? And he's trying to explain to her what what difference does that make? I'm right. trying to explain to you. You're asking me what the state of Bitcoin is. I'm telling you that the investment in the network is at an all time high. That means Bitcoin is as strong as it's ever been. And she said, yes, but what am I supposed to tell investors? And the price is down. And what do people want to know? He's like, why are you asking me about the price? That's crazy. I just told you that the, the metric that really matters is the amount of real world dollars that are being invested in the network, how stable is the network. Sure. And a the lot, network yeah. at the time was that it's pretty much it's, it's almost highest level of security ever. And we're up 50% from there, right. which was very prescient of Max Kaiser. And for our lagging indicator, price is up 65% since then. So the right. price of Bitcoin is at 17,000 then. And mm -hmm. she she's hammering about the price. What about the price? You know, what are people supposed to do? And, you know, obviously, um, uh, he, he, um, he really had his finger on the pulse of things. And I think that one way we can evaluate uh, someone's opinions is by seeing how right or wrong they are. There are a number yeah. of people we know, like Paul Krugman is notoriously wrong. Jim Cramer, notoriously right. wrong. Max Kaiser has been notoriously right more often than he's been wrong. No one's no one's uh, an oracle, but um, historically he's gotten a lot right. And I think who was saying what he was saying December 9, thousand twenty two. Right? No, he um, he obviously really understands what Bitcoin is and and sees it. You know, we've said in the past. This has been something we've talked about on on here. Is that I always say price is one data point. It's not, you know, it's just something that I consider as part of the overall Bitcoin assessment. And, but, you know, you have to include things like hash rate and just overall adoption and liquidity on the Lightning Network and all of these things that show you that being recognized as important technology and people are using it. And, you know, I think, most people don't understand that that it's really happening at a very fast rate. And at the same time, you know, it's really early. And mm -hmm. Max Kaiser is coming at it, I think, from the standpoint of somebody who recognizes what this could be and and how early we actually are. Um, I mean, it's crazy that the hash rate, you know, jumped 50% in less than four months. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so much so that people are wondering, you know, there's like, you know, we'll call them theories that maybe they're state actors or something involved. I don't believe that. But I did see I did read an article the other day talking about the different theories of what's going on with the hash rate. Mm -hmm. uh, and 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 there's also something to be said, and I, I guess this could be sort of a bit of a counter to what Max Kaiser says is a lot of that is just about the financial incentives the way he framed his answer was more people are passionate about this network. Yeah. 
And so they're investing because they're passionate about it. They really want to work. Well, I think there's I would, also- I would say yeah. that, well, what about people just want to make money off the network? They want to mine it and they, they're contributing hash rate to the network just because um, it's financially beneficial for them to do so. Well, you could say it's somewhat um, cyclical in that sense, meaning that you had you know a huge drop in- in the price of mining machines over the past couple of years, if you wanted to get into mining, um, you know, not on a large scale, but even on at any, you know, reasonable amount, you could pick up those miners for very little money. And so I think, you know, you saw a lot of supply um, and people, I think probably scooped those up and a lot of that's come online. You know, I would think that, that that had to have had, had an impact. I think there's also probably a lot of, you know, mining coming online in china mm -hmm. yeah i also wonder how much mining or people that decided when the the cost of miners went down they may pick up a miner or two for their basement just mine a little bit of bitcoin join mm -hmm. a pool i mean look that it made the entry price a lot less expensive and you know there is a thing there that if if a miner before cost twelve thousand, you could pick up a miner for not 2, the same quality miner yeah. two thousand but you could get in for two thousand then that that changes the equation for a lot of people becomes yeah. just a just kind of a they'll do it just as a hobby right so you see adoption there um you know i, I really think it's um it's interesting what we're seeing not only just with mining but with how you know the energy side of it mm -hmm. um there are some really interesting news that i read over the past <clears throat> excuse me couple of weeks that um just about how the grid is really benefiting from mm -hmm from Bitcoin mining. Um, it's actually has been effective in Texas. I saw there, uh, Pierre Richard, uh, testified before, I believe it was a Texas legislature, um, talking about mining and it's really They're pretty fascinating. They're trying to, they are, it. and he was testifying against it. And, you know, the amount of, um, tax revenue that it's generated for his County, what it's done to benefit like the rural area where they live. Um, it's brought jobs in, um, it's actually, you know, been a, not just from the standpoint of the, of how it supports the electrical grid, but it's actually, um, improved the lives of people in that area. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It is amazing. And, but, um, you know, I never trust people to make good decisions. <laughs> never trust politicians to make good decisions well yeah that doesn't mean they're gonna they might pass unfriendly legislation to it i'm sure but right, right um right. but i think that's also part of what we're talking about is that you know we're feeling like we're in part of that then they fight you phase um i i 100 believe we're in the then they fight you phase right now. yeah and and that's part of what max kaiser was saying as well that you know bitcoin by its very nature um is prone to attacks. Um, it's prone to people trying to attack it. And um, we're seeing a good bit of that. We are seeing a good bit of that. And there was a tweet that came out by Jim Cramer that I'm going to try and find very quickly here, talking about how um, they have been unable to stop Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. And they've tried to stop Bitcoin and they have just been unable to stop it. And I think that is the way Bitcoin was designed was just designed to be in a lot of ways, an unstoppable force. Mm -hmm. I agree. Um, 
And um, so it's interesting to see, and you knew what there was going to, I mean, if we're being intellectually honest, we always knew um, it was going to be a battle. And I have that Jim Cramer quote here so before we get to the next part. Yeah, the quote it? is, they haven't been able to do anything to damage Bitcoin. They, who is they? They haven't been able to do anything to damage Bitcoin. And I believe that this is something that was said to Jim Cramer, meaning people said to him, we've tried to do things to damage Bitcoin, that specific word, damage. Yeah. And we've been unable to. And so Bitcoin is designed to take damage. Uh, well, that was in the, uh, the the Max Kaiser interview as well. Um, you know, she asked him how much damage did uh, the FTX scandal cause, you know, due to Bitcoin. And his answer was zero. Yeah. And he didn't say anything after that. It's just like, none. I don't, you know, like, and, and honestly, he was right. Right. When you look back on that now, you know, people, um, Max Kaiser, I'm a fan of Max Kaiser, but I could see where some people would think he can be sort of a bit wacky at times. I think sure. he does. I think he's intentionally wacky at times. I think he has a, a thing where he used to be a stand up comedian, I believe. And he's an entertainer and he just has fun. I, I think that he, um, uh, I think he has FU money. Yeah. And um, what's the point of having FU money if you are going to really give an F? So yeah. I think he does what he wants, but I, I also think he's got a brilliant, brilliant mind. I think he, I think when you hear him talk about subjects that aren't are Bitcoin related, uh, things in life, different philosophies in life, he is a very deep, deep thinker, and uh, he's been as right about what's been going on in the economy for I believe about since the 2008 financial crisis, like as far mm -hmm. as the, the videos of Max Kaiser go back, I mean, the guy just got it. Who got more right than him? Yeah. He also jumped into Bitcoin. Bitcoin was a dollar, right? That helps. He, it <laughs> helps. But he's also, that also means he's been around a while. Like you have to have some respect for the experience. Well, so he also, you, it also means that he understood it enough when it was worth a dollar to load up on it. And he's held it since then. Yeah. Um, so it's it's uh, it's interesting. So that that would sound particularly positive, and we've seen a really positive movement from Bitcoin's price. And another positive that I think is worth mentioning here before we get to what I think are some of the negatives is that as we've had these banking crises the price of Bitcoin is moving up. Mm -hmm. And that means that people are figuring out that if they really want to own an asset, if they don't want to have that counterparty risk with a bank, if they don't want their deposits in the bank to be um, unsecured liabilities to the bank, then maybe it's not a good place. You know, Maybe there's something better and they're shifting to Bitcoin. And I think that we talked about this on the last episode that this, we didn't think the banking issues uh the banking uh liquidity problems whatever you want to call them mm -hmm. stability of the banks was over and we've seen um uh credit swiss go down right right so there's more contagion out there it's not like there were these i mean it's it's foolish to think that there was just these these couple of banks that were out there doing this we know how the math works oh no it was just the start of of it i mean you know and right not to be 
doom and gloom about it because we don't know where it'll land. But you know, when, if anybody thought that after those two here happened that that was it, then you know they hadn't been paying attention. Right. So, um, but I also I, I think that you do see a flight to safety with Bitcoin in that type of scenario. And we've seen it in other scenarios. We saw it with the Canadian truckers um, where in certain mm -hmm. situations, Bitcoin does become a flight to safety, which is interesting mm -hmm. because it still behaves like a risk on asset a lot of times. So, you know, it's, but I think when you see those little periods of time where people are fleeing to it, um, mm -hmm. that's kind of proof of concept to me. Like people see 100%. that it's actually mm -hmm. doing what it's supposed to do. And we saw that on the weekend, the 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 meltdown of uh, Silicon Valley Bank and Sovereign Bank. That weekend, Bitcoin just started ripping. The price of Bitcoin started ripping. Mm -hmm. And so, obviously, there are concerns about banks worldwide. Um, it just almost, in some ways, it feels like it's Bitcoin's moment. In some ways, although it's it's hard to imagine what that journey will be and and how things. Uh, progress along that journey because this is a very unique uh, period of time in modern history. For sure. A lot of very, very significant changes coming about. And um, Bitcoin is going to play a role in that. We don't know what role. And and with that in mind, um, there are people trying to bring about changes that would not be good for the world. Not all mm -hmm. the people that are your, your, uh, your political class are making decisions that are necessarily in your country's best interest. I mean, there are notoriously bad people that are that want to rule countries, right. and uh, and where I really feel, and I'm curious your opinion on this, where we are in the the attacks against Bitcoin, because make I, and I think it'd be foolish to believe that there are not true attacks coming, and specifically in the banking sector. Um. Yeah, I mean, I think we saw most clearly, you know, what we saw recently was with the Signature Bank um, shutdown that they, you know, made it clear to anyone looking to buy the bank that they wouldn't be able to buy the the crypto part of the business, you know. And I think we talked about this last, I mean, not in the in the show last week, but we discussed it that, you know, I think that. Um, it's somewhat more of an attack on crypto than Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. um, I think it gets lumped in, mm -hmm. but if you really look at the actions that are being taken, um, they're really, in my opinion, more focused on all of the other coins. Um, it's the SEC, you know, looking at the sale of unregistered securities. It's now the CFTC suing Binance. Um, which is a whole different political, you know, gamesmanship that we don't need to get into probably, but you know, you're seeing all of these little turf wars on who gets to regulate it. And, um, I don't know. I, I, I just happen to be optimistic about it that I feel like if the right people can understand Bitcoin, that it will be separated from, you know, the rest of, of all the other coins as it should be. Okay, well, let's bring up something that I think is worth mentioning in this discussion, which is the geopolitical atmosphere right now, mm -hmm. because there's something very significant happening, and that is, and you 
feel free to disagree, but I believe that the dollar is is on its way out for being the sole global reserve currency. And we are seeing already that uh, Saudi Arabia entered a trade alliance. This is just mm-hmm. today. Saudi Arabia entered a trade alliance with China, Russia, India, Pakistan, and four Central Asian nations. I don't know what those are. Mm-hmm. To step further away from reliance on the U.S. dollar. So what they did, I was just reading the headline, but what they did is they said, yeah, we can we can trade back and forth with each other and we're not going to use dollars as an intermediary to trade back and forth with each other. We'll just use our own currencies and we'll just directly trade with each other. And now the big thing had always been the petrodollar, that oil had always had to be purchased yeah. in, um, in dollars. In dollars, and because oil like makes the world go round, means that people needed dollars. And I believe that they are going to be trading oil with each other, not in dollars. Mm-hmm. That Saudi Arabia is going to sell oil to China in China's currency, not the U.S. dollar. Yeah, it's. Uh... And that's a big deal. I don't think that that you know people really understand just because it's not. I don't even know what's. On, I mean, I know what what is on the front page of the news, but, um, but just because the media here is not really talking about the significance of this very much, doesn't mean that it's not insanely significant. Right. I don't think that that it almost seems weird that this isn't like the biggest story out there because it's might be the biggest story out there. If you understand what this means to the U S economy, what it means, to the dollar, what it means to inflation in the U S what it means to the U S's role in, on the world stage. This is a, a seismic action that's going on right now, in my opinion. You know, I, I, um, I think it's significant. Um, I honestly haven't read up on it enough to know exactly what it means or, but I can tell you this, that if, you know, I would imagine that Saudi Arabia probably sells a lot of oil to China. Um, (laughs) yes, yes. And I want to be clear. I'm not just talking about this story. This one, you're talking talking about about what's, what's happening about there's, that we had a let's call it an omnipolar world before the U.S. kind of ran the world, and it basically did. Mm-hmm. You know, we had military bases set up all around the world. The world used the dollar. The dollar was the reserve currency. We agreed that the dollar would be worth a certain amount of gold, and we got the whole world to agree that hey, just use our money, and you can trust us. Every dollar is worth a certain amount of gold. And then in 1971, when people came to redeem that dollar for gold. They're like, just kidding. Um, <laughs> we're not redeeming it for anything. Yeah. Those <laughs> that gold is just ours. And you can have the dollars. They're still worth a dollar, but you're you're not getting, you know, it's, it's not backed by the money we said it was backed by anymore. It's not backed by anything. And over that 50-year period, it's been a lot of money printing going on and debasement of the currency. And yeah, the world's gone into a lot of crazy directions. And oh, so yeah. now we are we might be talking about a world where China China doesn't want to be number two in the world. 
You think they're happy? Sure. They're not doing that. And so they're really flexing their muscles and they're building coalitions. And um, all of a sudden yeah, it doesn't mean much. It's the biggest test I've seen in my lifetime of the dollar as a global reserve currency. Well, I think um, these, yeah. I mean, so do you think the dollar will survive this? I, that, that I'm not sure. I mean, I, you know, again, all kinds of, it plays out in all kinds of ways, but I don't know. I mean, I think that we've got some real, uh, real issues with our national debt and unfunded liabilities. And, you know, we say this all the time, you cannot kick the can forever. Um, don't ever underestimate how far, they can keep kicking the can in this country. Um, they're very, very good at it. Um, but you know, it's it's definitely not. A, it's a tough situation that has to get solved somehow. And there, mm -hmm. and most of the ways it gets solved are not pleasant. Mm. And and it's a lot easier to kick the can if you are the global reserve currency. Right. There's a lot of privileges that come with that. But all of a sudden, you so you know why 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 does russia has commodities and the us has blocked them from many of the world markets but apparently they're involved with china and india and pakistan so russia is involved in this group too mm -hmm. and they have oil they have things that people want and so if they have commodities that people want people are going to offer them money for that and Russia's not going to trust the U.S. dollar. They're not going to sell their oil in dollars. So they're going to do something with it. And getting back to Bitcoin on this, I, I, I'm curious what role you think Bitcoin will play in this global dispute. Because one of the things I saw this week was that banks in Hong Kong, mm -hmm. Chinese banks in Hong Kong were courting crypto people. Okay. And th there's a, a Hong Kong bank doesn't court crypto or do anything like that without the Chinese government being behind it. Of course. Um, right. You know, I, I think, first of all, I think certainly Bitcoin could play a role in that type of, um, you know, in the event that the dollar is not what people are dealing with for commodities um, or other payments around the world you could do those payments, you know, using Bitcoin rails and do it very, you know, efficiently and securely. So I could see it playing a role, you know, and, and I think this is, this is nothing new. We've said this, that it's, you know, it's one of the greatest payment rails ever, right. Ever invented. So why, why can't these countries just essentially settle in Bitcoin? Right. You, mm -hmm. you, you send and receive in Bitcoin. And some countries may say the second we send it, we convert it to fiat, right? We're just essentially just using the Bitcoin rail. But I know if I pay you in Bitcoin, the transaction is legit, right? Mm -hmm. That I've actually received real money for it. And that these countries just can't print more money. So there's, there's a sort of a scarcity there, although they could print money to buy the Bitcoin. But I don't know. I just think that that there's this dynamic here where the U.S. regulators may think that they are setting the terms for the world on Bitcoin, on this new asset. Mm -hmm. 
And the way Bitcoin is designed is that it always benefits your enemies and make no mistake about it, the U.S.'s enemies. Mm -hmm. we, we see people, forces pushing back against them. And, um, you know, I may be cynical, but I think that if, if, China, if Russia saw there was something that was bad, if, if Russia thought Bitcoin was bad for the U.S., then Russia would be all into Bitcoin. Sure. Right. That's, it's one of those countries between China, Russia, India, Pakistan. I'm sure we could find some enemies in that group. Right. That just 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 uh, as a you're not even being particularly aggressive. You're just supporting it, you know, just sure. finding it, whatever it may be. So I think that there is. I think that there were a lot of people in the Bitcoin world that predicted a lot of these things to be happening. And I think that they thought they were going to happen around the end of 2021. And then end of 2021 rolls around, they don't happen. And then the end of 2022 rolls around, don't really happen. And now a, a few months later, I think we're seeing a lot of things play out that the the people in the Bitcoin world predicted. Actually, it probably started in the middle of mm -hmm. 2022, which is when a lot of the uh, the garbage coins just... Yeah, like kind of around Terra Luna that time. Right, right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That was one of the predictions. Yeah. Uh, the banking prediction was also you know, very prevalent in the Bitcoin world and, and people were predicting it around the, you know, third quarter, fourth quarter of 2021. Yeah. And it looks like it came, um, with Silicon Valley bank in the fourth quarter of, uh, 2022. And we only heard the news early part of 2023. And now we seem to have, uh, we seem to have, some news in the banking world where banks are collapsing and we're going to see more banks collapse that, that we're, we're starting to hear from authorities that the banks are safe, right? There's nothing yeah. to worry about. The banks are safe. And there's probably nothing more terrifying than hearing the banks are safe. Yeah. And to some people. And another interesting thing I mentioned this to you earlier was that um, I deal with a lot of banks in my, uh, in my work. And most of the big banks that I interact with have sent out, some sort of uh, communication about, you know, the fact that they're, they're good to go and solvent, nothing to worry about your money safe, bring it all here. Um, mm -hmm. I've seen several different variations of, of that message, um, you know, but it's, it's interesting to see that the banks are kind of preemptively putting stuff out there to uh, say, Hey, there's nothing to worry about. Right. Right. And which is, which tells you that, uh, People have expressed concerns. I would say outside forces have probably expressed some concerns to them, without a doubt. Yeah, whether it's um, it, it it shows more than anything that you know people were saying, "Hey, what's going on? We need to we need to know what's going on," and that was their reaction to it was to say, "Hey, we're doing great." You know, it's but it's um, it's an interesting time for sure. It is, and I. I feel like it's uh, I feel like it's not being reported. I, I really think that you would you kind of look back on in history and you say like how do people let that happen or how did that happen or how do people not see that or not know that? And in some ways, I feel like with some of these things that are going on that we're it's not that people don't know they're there. It's just the emphasis they're given um, is pretty minimal. 
and the emphasis that some other really trivial things are given is pretty significant. Mm -hmm. And we're living through this time where it's, it, this could be the end of the US dollar. And I understand that the average citizen has no idea what that means. Again, right. and, and that's, not, that's not knocking anybody. The, the, the educational system done to teach you money is horrific at best. Even <laughs> in private schools, it's, it's horrific. Most people don't understand money at all. And so uh, I just feel like there are a lot of things going on and people are just missing it, myself included, because, you know, I'm not, you know, I, I can only, I only have access to what, what's put out there. Sure. And, and even everything that's put out there is going to have some kind of bias to it. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I'm, I, I'm not, I don't spend all my time uh, looking up world news you know, different things that I could dig into in different areas. And I think there's a lot going on here, um, uh, uh, quite a bit going on. And I, and I really believe that Bitcoin is going to play, if it hasn't already played, a role in this. Yeah. I mean, again, to circle back to, to what Max started with is that if we keep seeing <laughs> this type of increase in the hash rate, I mean, it was already the most powerful computer network in the world that, you know, when, when Max Kaiser said that four months ago, almost it, it was the most powerful computer network mm -hmm. in the world. Now it's 50% more powerful. Um, you know, when you see that kind of growth and it keeps happening, then you have to start to recognize the fact that it is playing a role and people see value in it. Otherwise they wouldn't be, spending that capital to mine it and to um and to keep it secure mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's it's a it's the prisoner's dilemma in a lot of ways mm -hmm. you know it's it's um it's game theory in a lot of ways um it's really quite fascinating in a number of areas and spools out to all different kinds of things but when it comes down to it um, it's a lot of game theory and it's a very, very complex game. It's a very complex game. And I think, you know, I'm biased, very, very biased, but it's, um, Bitcoin is a very worthy adversary. Well, you know, I, I think we, we've talked about the fact that so many things come down to incentives and people are driven by incentives. And mm -hmm. that's the thing about Bitcoin is that, it's its entire incentive is it gives you incentive to keep it going and it rewards you to keep it alive. So that's going to attract people to it. Um, it's going to make people want to expend effort to it because they have an incentive to do it. There's a reward for doing it. Mm -hmm. So you're just going to see that hash rate grow and grow um, as long as people continue to act like humans. Right. And also with a lot of turmoil, look, one thing we know for sure. Okay. I think there are a couple of things we can agree on. Regardless of the direction that things go in, there's going to be turmoil. Mm -hmm. Just by default, there's going to be issues with banking because we know the math. It's, it's, um, it, it's, it's math. It's just, sure. we've known this. We've just known that, I mean, the U.S. is broke. 100% broke. The U.S. can never pay off its financial obligations. It's just literally right. impossible. doesn't matter how much they tax people. doesn't matter what they do. It, it's literally just mathematically impossible. And, 
when the math does its thing, there's a natural tendency to move towards Bitcoin. The, mm -hmm. the people who are in Bitcoin are just the people that feel that they feel that that I would say there's a good percentage in the Bitcoin community that feel that a collapse of some part of the system is inevitable. Absolutely. I think um, it's just a matter of timing. When when do when do you think it's going to happen? So I right. think it's a it's a matter of when you know. Right, and there are there are certainly doomsdayers inside the Bitcoin community that just think it's it's imminent, it's happening any day now, and they've been like that for a few years. And they they have solid arguments. Um, and and you know obviously there's a spectrum. There are people that and just think that the U.S. dollar will be there and. Bitcoin will be something that just coexists with the U.S. dollar, and the U.S. dollar is still the world reserve currency twenty years from now. Mm -hmm. But they're into Bitcoin, sure. So, um, yeah, there's a wide range of of you know how you view it. But but getting back to the thing with the turmoil, as we see turmoil in the world, I think where do we see turmoil and where we have seen turmoil before. Um, people turn to Bitcoin, whether it's uh, Nigeria or Lebanon or Canada. Uh, I believe it's being used a good amount of Turkey, mm -hmm. right? Wherever people are having issues, people turn to Bitcoin. And the reason for it is because you control it. You doesn't go through anybody else. The government's not involved and the banks are not involved. And, yeah. and uh, so as we see that turmoil... I think we're going to see more of a flight towards Bitcoin. And I also think that with it being up 65%, with it being the best performing asset of 2023, greedy people are going to jump in. Sure. People without conviction, they just want to jump on, you know, something's going up. Yeah. But, you know, I, over time, that's going to be harder and harder to do as people buy and hold Bitcoin. Right. Which is the other statistic that Max Kaiser didn't mention. Um, not that he doesn't know the statistic, but it just wasn't part of that interview, which is that I think the last I saw was like 68% of Bitcoin had moved in a year. I, yeah. I actually think I've seen a higher number before that, but it was, I'll just take the data face value and say it's still around the same percentage, you know, about 70% hasn't moved in a year. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean that only 70% are hardcore hodlers. It also doesn't sure. mean seventy percent are. I mean, there's all kinds of ways that numbers mean something. But uh, meaning, some someone could have bought Bitcoin six six months ago, and they're, you know, they're committed to never selling it. But that is a big chunk of that asset class being held down yeah. by people that you know. It's that does limit the supply quite a not, not quite a bit, but that does limit the supply. And and one of the things we've discussed before on here, which is that. What happens over time? What happens over the next seven years to that percentage? Yeah, it goes up. It doesn't not down. Right, right. Which, which. Well, actually, that's not where, where I could be wrong about that. Is that if it becomes more adopted as a medium of exchange, then you'll you will see it move more. Yes, I, I also think there's probably a point of diminishing returns, meaning. Mm -hmm you know, or, or just a sort of a ceiling 
that maybe it's difficult to get over 85% because once you get to 85%, then the price starts moving up. When the price starts moving up, then it draws in more sellers. And sure. there's just sort of this level that people find with it. But the other thing is that I don't think people really understand that the institutions are not really in Bitcoin right now. Sure. This is, this is, there's not enough for the institutions. There's enough, but the price will be a whole lot higher. This is, this is where the individuals are front run the institutions. And I don't know. I, I mean, I, I am very curious to see how this plays out, but um, with a lot of this chaos going on, I will say on a personal level that Bitcoin, I've been happy, personally happy that I own Bitcoin. I'm, I'm pleased yeah. that I've owned it. Same. It makes me feel better. Yeah. It's, uh, it makes sense to me. Yes. And it's, it's real. I also interacted with the Bitcoin network this week, which I don't do that often, meaning I, <laughs> I move Bitcoin and, uh, it's a beautiful piece of technology. It's yeah, it works beautifully elegant piece of technology. It's it works. It works and it works well. Um, I do think the interface for what I was doing was not right for a lot of people, even though it's very, very, very easy to do. And if some someone could easily learn it, it's um, it's still probably a bit too clunky for a lot of people. Although I was using multisig. Yeah, well, I, you know, I think. That just tells you how early we are. Mm -hmm. I think it's inevitable that over time there will be interfaces and tools that will allow people to interact with it a lot more easily. Mm -hmm. Just like you would. I mean, it, you know, I see it more as like a, it'll interact kind of like a Venmo account. I, I think it'll be that you, I think there'll be a, almost like a Bitcoin savings account. Yeah. which will be your multi-sig, um, which you're not supposed to move very easily. It's not supposed to be fast to move. And then I think you're going to have like your spending wallet for Bitcoin. Yeah. And you're, you'll set your multi-sig to a, give you an allowance. Let's say like you could like ATM from your personal Bitcoin, let's say up to whatever amount you set, let's say $1,000 mm -hmm. a month that you'll allow yourself to pull from your Bitcoin. And if you use your app, to pull from your Bitcoin, it will allow you to pull it without getting your three keys out or anything like that. But you can only pull a thousand dollars a month or whatever you set. So you, yeah. you set that convenient setting to something. And that way you, you wouldn't have to do that complicated procedure. Although it was simple and easy to do, it's still, it's, um, it, it would, it would be difficult for some people. Sure. It's not, especially if you're dealing with multi-sig, it's supposed to be difficult. Um, but the multi-sig part aside, I just think my point is that we're just, there's not a lot that's been developed to make the experience mm -hmm. better. Um, no. And it will come. It yeah. will absolutely come. And uh, I used uh, uh, Trezor Ones. Mm -hmm. for both of my sign devices i had a ledger device also but I, I i like the interface of the trezor on my computer uh much better than selecting my pin code on the ledger i don't mm -hmm. the ledger takes too long for me to get to and uh and that device it worked i had some issues with it 
I had a, a, a number of times where it said, can't, you know, not, not that it couldn't connect device. So, oops, something went wrong. Mm-hmm. And then I just went back and redid it again. But I, it was a bit iffy if that device was going to work. Um, they worked fine and they did what they were supposed to do. And I did not have any issues and certainly could be software related. Uh, but one of the things I really disliked about that device was that I like to confirm the address. Mm-hmm. And I even took out a magnifying glass and confirm my address with a magnifying glass because the digits on there are really, really small. Yeah, it's a tiny It's almost screen. impossible to read without some kind of magnifier. So that that's kind of a, uh, that's certainly a flaw in design. Although I did use, um, I did use a, uh, a barcode scanner for the addresses. Mm-hmm. I used barcode scanner on my phone to get the addresses and uh, it was super quick, super easy. Meaning getting the addresses was not a problem. It was just sure. that little tiny screen on that device and plugging that device in and doing all those kind of things I think is, is a bit clunky for people. Yeah. I think again, those things will, will improve over time. They work. But they do work. And I'll tell you what, using it, uh, it was such, you know, I used to test a lot of technology. I used to really enjoy testing technology and, was actually testing Bitcoin's technology when I didn't understand it that caused me to sell it in 2017. But it was so beautiful, really just a really slick piece of software that works well. Yeah. Good stuff. Anything else? Nope. I think that's good. Yeah. All right. Well, um, I will put up here on the screen where you can find us at our website, btcbutlers.com, Twitter at btcbutlers, email us info at btcbutlers.com. We can help you with best practices as a Bitcoin owner, whether that's buying your Bitcoin, storing your Bitcoin, setting up an inheritance plan for your Bitcoin, running your own node. Um, We uh, would be happy to help you with any of those things. So reach out if we can help. If you have questions, comments, feel free to drop us a note. And uh, like Mike said at the beginning, if you share and subscribe, we would greatly appreciate it. So thanks everybody. And we'll see you next time. Thank you, Matt. Bye.